You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Friday, so it's time for the weekly wrap. And with me, well, this evening, his time, is Liston Mainchies, independent financial and analyst, talking to us from New Zealand. What time is it there, Liston? Probably about um, nine o'clock or something? Yeah, quarter past nine in the evening. That's right. Probably the sun's just gone down and you're having been able to go to the bottle store, you're sipping a glass of wine and everything is probably quite civilised because New Zealand has handled the situation beautifully, whether by design or by accident. Well, we can cover that in a bit more detail, but no, the sun went down quite early because it's winter here. Oh, of course um, it is, yes. We get, we get good, good long days in summer, but not in winter. All right, let's have a look at the, the, the markets. So can we start with South Africa? And let's start with the South African Reserve Bank. We are now at three and three quarters percent for the repo rate, which is an, an historic low. And there is talk that there could be one or two more uh, smaller increment cuts later in the year or within, the, uh, within, within 12 months. Now, obviously, conditions change. Uh, I just wonder if it's going to make a difference. Certainly, psychologically, it will. And also, when it comes to company borrowings, which is very important. Well, absolutely. Uh, and, and again, if you recall, go back quite a way. I thought they were behind the eight ball a while back. Yes. The economy was in dire straits. I'm not talking about the year 2020. I'm talking about the year 2018. And they just refused to cut rates. They were going down everywhere in the world except where we were. And I said, but, you know, this is not working. And then at the end of last year, and I can remember having this conversation with you as well, I went to the risk conference at the Mount Nelson Hotel, and Brian Cantor was one of the speakers. And he just, you know, was apoplectic that they had not seen the need to cut at that stage. And golly, now we have COVID and we've got everything else going absolutely appalling, including uh, the, the ratings agencies, and we give half a percent. And now we give another half a percent. I go, well, um, that, that's quite nice. Thank you. The sequence uh, it's of- not going to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. We have, uh, if, if it was bad last year, this year it is ghastly. Uh, that's all I can say. And I can't see ways out. Now, what is very interesting to me uh, sitting as you as you 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 gather, you know, in, virtually in two places, is the different narratives that have gone with the way the governments have gone about lockdowns. Uh, there is absolutely no doubt, and it was called, you know, Team New Zealand, and five million of us are in the same team. We are going to fight this COVID virus. We are going to beat it, and we have done. We have tested. We have. Uh, traced. We have done the most amazing things at huge cost, at enormous cost. And 21 people died, 12 of them from one old age home and a good few from another old age home. Now, it isn't as though they have huge numbers. They test 10,000 a day and they find zero new cases. That a new case does get discovered, but not from the testing and people going to report to testing, uh, but because they were part of the contact group in one or other of those homes. So we had one new case today, and uh, it was related to to one of one of the the old age homes, um, and they are only a case. That's to say, they are not even in hospital. There is exactly one person in hospital. The recovery rate is 97%. 
Now, all I can say is you can only say Team New Zealand is amazing and you can only say that the way that the government, particularly the Prime Minister, put it together along with the uh, Director of Health, uh, it has been an absolute fantastic show every day at one o'clock and you, you, you can't get better unity than that, I don't think. Listen, sorry to interrupt you, but the, you, you said that there are 5 million people in New Zealand. Now, let's say that there's 60 million people in South Africa. Now, you talk about we, 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 which in other words uh, implies a united nation. Uh, even though it's only a tiny amount of, of people, less than uh, probably about a third of the population of London, for example. Okay, so I'm just putting this into context. Now, South Africa has 11 different languages, probably 11 di different socioeconomic strata, 11 different uh, economic scenarios going, going forward, and there are seven or eight different we's. So we this, we that, everyone's fighting against each other. And to implement a coherent and cohesive policy as New Zealand has is virtually impossible in South Africa. It could have been done better, but it, to, to compare the two is like comparing... Um, vanguard asset management worldwide with a boutique uh, working out of a small office in London. The small office in London is nimble and can achieve greater gains, uh, but Vanguard is the massive uh, organization that can only turn very, very slowly. Correct. No, I think I, I, the only point I'm making is the narrative is completely different. Um, but we had the New Zealand budget this week, and uh, you know the borrowing is enormous relative to what has previously been budgeted. And the statement was, we saved for a rainy day. The rainy day arrived, and we're now using the savings. So it's easy to get past that. If you get to another country already at dangerous levels of debt with high interest rates, um, to put more money on top to try to solve the problems that go with a lockdown. And, and what I'm really saying is that you could not have applied this model to many other countries. Yes. So, the, but the, the, the story is exactly the same. Somebody is going to have to pay for closing companies down. Now, if it's the companies, that will show up a, in stock markets, but B, in the employment, in the hunger, in the poverty. Um, we do not have that problem here. <laughs> you know, just about anybody who, who uh, becomes unemployed will find some form of benefit, generally from the state, um, to tide them, tide them over. And if they are, as, as some were, um, temporary workers who'd come here to pick the crops, who now can't get out simply because there aren't any flights out, um, they will be looked after. Uh, and I just say, you know, it is fascinating for me to see how the narratives are completely different. And I, I understand it because of the, the, the socio-political stories that you have given. Mm. But the point is there's an enormous cost to this. If we look at the United States, it is exactly the same thing. So, Somewhere along the line, in my book, there's going to be a strike by people lending money. Now, just one example that crossed my desk this week was a company called Richmond, and I think just about every one of our listeners will know about Richmond. Yes. And they've had some 
bits and patches and done various things. But being in luxury goods, they've obviously done tolerably well over many years. Their latest set of results weren't particularly good, and it doesn't, it's a no-brainer to say that they will not be selling in 2020 anything like they were selling in 2019. And in fact, in his report, uh, uh, Johan Rupert actually makes that point. They go to the market and say, we would like to borrow 2 billion euros. Now, that is a fascinating number. It's about 40 billion rand. And they are able to borrow it. And some of it is as long. And and in fact, the biggest amount of that is over eight years, at least over 20 years, at 1.65%. That's astonishing. Now, when somebody asked me for a comment on it, I said, you know, would you not like to borrow 2 billion euros at 1.65%? And I think just about every uh, treasurer in the world would be going out now and saying, guys, we better go and get money while it's still going and people are prepared for whatever sets of reasons. And fear of a recession is one of them. Do you uh, think, then, listen, sorry, again, do you think then that the Treasury Departments of uh, companies that are confident that there'll be an existence in, in the next few years will be saying to themselves, okay, what is our debt p- position at the moment? Can we restructure it? Can we rejig it? Can we take advantage of these extraordinarily lax lending conditions? Can we lock in? Because if you can lock in, I mean, it's the same as hedging, of course, if you're a gold miner, just lock in at these prices, and then you can get rid of all your worries, and you know exactly what you're borrowing are. I would think that this is uh, people should take the Richemont line along <laughs> when it comes to these extraordinarily low rates. Well, that, this is my point. It's a war chest and it may be inefficient use of capital in the next year or so, but there will be victims of what I see coming, uh, particularly in luxury goods, when you know good names have already got borrowings, unable to borrow further, they put up a for sale notice. So I say that that this move was probably getting ready for what they can see. And and I'm saying it can't be too long before most people see that. And eventually, uh, you won't be able to borrow at 1.65% for 20 years. You may have to pay 2.65. Who knows? You might even have to pay 3.65. 3.65. So yes. I just think the writing is on the wall, but it's fascinating to see how the corporates are responding to the uh, future, which by and large is fairly well understood. And when I say that, I mean, you get somebody like Jerome Powell saying it isn't as good as it looks, chaps. And of course, you get you know various other luminaries saying, no, we'll shortly be out of this. Shortly be out of this means one thing. But you know, last week, In fact, no, yesterday, Thursday, we had uh, 2.44 additional Americans filing for unemployment, and they still see notices coming through every week now of yet another company that's laying off 10,000 or is laying off another 3,500. So the numbers are still going to go higher. And then they say, oh, it's way down on the previous week, so that's good. I say, no, it isn't. You're just adding to the size of this pile. Uh, and, and you have to draw down on that pile first before it looks anything like positive. And people do keep trying to persuade me that it will get back to normal soon. 
Now, as I mentioned, you know, we got out of uh, level three lockdown into level two lockdown, um, which allows a lot more freedom of movement. Um, and just uh, yesterday on Thursday, our pubs and places that that, that that serve alcohol as opposed to restaurants, which are open the week before, yeah. but the pubs and bars, that's the word I was looking for, the pubs and bars <laughs> were able to open uh, yesterday. Don't tease. <laughs> it looks much like it used to look, but I'm still saying that back and behind the scenes are a lot of people who are incredibly concerned about getting a half a paycheck because they had to take some some reduction in salary. The government is sponsoring various things. That runs out after a time. So what I'm saying is it kind of looks okay, kind of, kind of for now. But the longer it goes on, the more the borrowing has to take place. And the more borrowing that takes place, the higher interest rates will go if not this year, then almost certainly next year. And if inflation so picks up as well, then inf- in, then interest rates are going to go up and then full borrowings will go up and maybe in- interest rates will have to go up because of the demand in the United States because the quantitative easing or rather stimulus packages, as they call it, is not going to Wall Street or is continuing to go to Wall Street, but is also going into the pocket of the average American household. So they've got some money to spend. So maybe uh, because of supply constraints, I mean, take the meat industry, for example, in the US. There's a shortage of pork because they've had to close down a couple of plants that supply the majority of the US's pork needs. There's a lot of little side stories. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of side stories, Liston. And when you say going back to normal, or you will your associates say, well, things might go back to normal. I just want to look at retail. I just want to look at travel. I want to look at the hospitality industry and give anecdotal evidence and not scientific, but academic evidence of what is going on. They're never going to be the same again, not in our lifetimes or my children's lifetimes either. There has been fundamental changes condensed into the last three months. Yeah, no, I think that, and certainly working from home, a, a number of people will be only too happy, and their their businesses as well, because they they need to keep the social distancing function going. So you can't have the same complement of people sitting, you know, that close to each other. So you say to half the staff, well, you come in, you know, uh, one week, and the other half come in another week, but you're all working from home, and honestly, with you know, the communications that we have now and the ability to access data from uh, myriad sources, even in your own home, um, life can go on pretty well. But there are certain services that you really need to meet the person face-to-face and various documents have to be shown and they can't just be, you know, uh, 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 photographed on your on your phone and sent through. So, but the but the main point is there has been I think worldwide a massive increase in office space that's going to have a, a, a suffer as it is going to have to do in the one which we were pointing out even two years ago in saying you know that the Santon Rosebank and even going through to Pretoria huge numbers of office space going up which probably won't be needed now for a good ten or so years. So somewhere along the line, the construction industry is going to battle. And uh, you've seen a couple of comments. And it's not just the, uh, the those construction. The construction companies were in difficulties. This is the listed construction companies were in great difficulties a year or two or three ago. 
And you're wondering if there's ever going to be a construction industry, you know, back in back in in South Africa. Now, so I think that's enough on the COVID and the and the implications. Yes, I think it is. What do you want to go on to next? Do you want to go on to let's, let's go on to South African results? I mean, there's been lots of results and a myriad of trading updates this week and operational updates and whatever they want to call it. Um, I would like to have a look at uh, a couple. Well, we can look at three, if you like. A SPA, good results. 91, very good results. Investec, not so great results. You can pick two out of three. Well, well no, let's, let's just uh, look at 91. Uh, they're an asset management firm with, uh, obviously, uh, you know, a foot in South Africa. And uh, I don't have to discuss, you know, what, what that story looked like. But of course, a large uh, base of that in in the UK. Mm. And bear in mind that a lot of the results that we are now seeing are to March. They don't include April, May. Some of them are even to February. So, you know, they hadn't seen and hadn't suffered. So they can only say that post our results, this is what it looks like. You've seen, not necessarily, uh, you know, the ones you've mentioned, but a number of them are saying, with an uncertain future, we are withholding the dividend. We are simply saying we want to keep our cash just in case, which also indicates how bad things are. But again, I would have said, you know, if I had to look at at Investec, on the one side, largely banking and financial uh, type operations, not going to look particularly good, and it didn't. And if you look at the asset management, yes, assets did go down. They've gone back up. But with diversified portfolios and various things, not too bad at all. And if you absorbed a, 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 you know, a couple of new clients, uh, the year did not look too bad for you. That's exactly the case. And that's kind of the report that I gave to uh, one of the clients in, in Botswana this week. And that is to say, you know, everybody panics when the market goes down. But, you know, a number of them have gone back up. And if you look at Amazon, Netflix, and a couple of others, they are right near their all-time highs and certainly higher than they were at the beginning of the year. (laughs) You can't call that a market crash. But definitely there were other victims, particularly of older-type businesses, who aren't able to move quickly, uh, for which people were needed to come and do the business Whereas something like Amazon benefited by the fact that people couldn't, they needed delivery. But uh, so long story, let's, let's, let's now look at SPA. And again, understand that SPA is a franchise operation. Their biggest problem is when one or other of the franchisees uh, gives up. Yes. They just can't make it. And again, that may happen, but given under lockdown, essential type services where pe- one thing people do need is food, uh, they were on, all of them were on a, a, a benefit compared to the rest of them. Naturally, sales will be down because people didn't want to have, you know, uh, you know huge trolley loads delivered, uh, whatever. But so, again, you would expect that of the uh, retail type things, food would do better. And you would think that a franchise operator would do better. That's pretty well what happened. Yes. So, as I said, Investec uh, 91, which is the old Investec Asset Management, and um, Spa, I don't find anything there to say to me, this is unusual, you need to change feet, have you considered this? You know, so I, my, my big question on a lot of them is, uh, what's new? 
And in fact, some of the really bad results have also been, but didn't you see this coming? And uh, I'm afraid to say that once we heard, and this is going back, uh, you know, even into into February, um, when we heard that that this uh, uh, virus was was moving around the world, it was a e- easy uh, call to at least reduce your weighting in equities. Whether you should have bought bonds, I actually thought you should, and it would have probably proven a reasonable idea. If you bought them in South Africa in February, you're probably very unhappy when we got the downgrade. Um, looking at it today, uh, you're probably looking uh, uh, pretty smart and, and quite reasonable. But let's just look at you know what else is happening in the world. And I well, think where do you want to start? I mean, do you want to start with this morning? Do you want to start with Hong Kong? Do you want to start with uh, yes, the let's ge- start with Hong Kong and also the geopolitical let's tensions between the United States and China, which is inextricably interlinked with the Hong Kong announcement this morning and the the Chinese meeting, the National People's Congress, because there's no way that the Chinese go about their business in a, anything less than a methodical and clinical fashion. There's no way that they are not angry with Donald Trump. They don't send out tweets. They put out their spokesperson, and he's quite nasty about the United States, but nothing like Donald Trump. I think that they are looking to grab power because of the weakness of Donald Trump. Well, again, it's one of those struggles between, uh, you know, the East and the West, and the numbers favor China and India. You know, if you add those two populations, you're talking something probably approximating 2.2 billion, Mm. which is one third of the world's population. Um, And both of those economies have been on the rise now for a, a goodly while. Uh, and all well and good because they were patches, and I can honestly remember, you know, when the visual picture of China was of some poor person in a rice paddy, uh, you know, up to up to his 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 uh, waist, and uh, and in 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 India it was looking at the slums and and saying just how bad things were, and again, so it's it's nothing bad that we have now uh, a world in which. Massive groups of people have entered the mainstream, and it had to have an impact and was having an impact, part of which Donald Trump picked up on and said, you know, we must make America great again, we must buy American, we must stay American, we must whatever, and blaming a whole lot on China. Hence the the deal, a truce, call it whatever you like, which was Looking reasonable at the beginning of this year, as you say, <laughs> round about now, looking to be in tatters. Completely. Uh, it's, it's all forgotten now. The amount of rhetoric, the amount of nastiness, the amount of insults that come out of uh, firstly uh, the Trump administration and now China hitting back, it's actually quite distasteful and I think it's very, very dangerous. What about Hong Kong this morning? The end of Hong Kong is the headline in the Telegraph this morning. The, the end of Hong Kong. China cracks down on dissent. Security legislation is condemned by the US and Hong Kong pro-democracy figures as an assault on the city's freedoms. It probably is. But I tell you what, I know who I'd back in this in, in this argument. Well, I don't know if, I were, if it was with you or somebody else. Uh, and it wasn't meant to be lighthearted, but I actually said, you know, I would not be surprised to see Chinese tanks roll into Hong Kong. Um, they won't, won't, of course, get onto uh, uh, Victoria Island easily. But the, the point I make is that you have got this massive group and you have this tiny little enclave. 
very important, very dramatic. And yes, we have got signed agreements as to what's going to happen and, and, and all the rest. But then you had certainly that huge patch of, of unrest last year, which no uh, government, I don't care you know, in which realm they're operating, but to have something small at, at, at the edge causing all kinds of problems for you, you eventually say, no, I've had enough. And I think that's exactly where we are now. And Donald Trump can say, you know, we will look badly on that and we won't accept it and we will do. I, I just think uh, the, the writing was probably on the wall uh, as of last year. In fact, it was precipitated by that. Yes, it's exacerbated now by specific meetings of the party in Beijing. But be all that as it may, uh, I do think, you know, it is a step backwards in many ways for a financial system um, which has worked incredibly well over a huge number of years and kind of shows up how two different systems can operate, one largely for the benefit of a smallish number of people, another one where you have to drag a whole lot of people uh, a, you know, into the situation. But be all that as it may, I think the, the writing, again, is on the wall. I don't think China is going to pay too much attention to anybody else. They say, we have a problem, we have to deal with it, and we will. And I think that's that, that, that's about as far as I can go on that one. But then yes, you have the story with Australia. You know, I, I mean, they've said we're not taking barley imports from uh, Australia. Now, Goodness knows why they would choose one or other crop and why it would be against Australia. I, I'm, I'm not really in that loop. But what I am saying is you're seeing this insulation, uh, nationalism, patriotism, call it whatever you like, uh, coming to the fore. And we diagnosed this. I, I, and again, I go back to conversations you and I have had over the years where we've said this is going backwards. The world was heading for liberal trade, liberal movement of people. And what have we seen? We've seen Make America Great Again. We've seen Brexit again. Now we're seeing China into, into Hong Kong. I think it's all part of the same theme. You know, there were pressures building. And unfortunately, in a fragile and, and highly interconnected system, if you put pressure in one place, it's bound to show up in another. So I, 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 that, that is how I see it. But do I think it's important? And the answer is absolutely yes, I do. Well, on the Australia point, they backed they backed a review into the way that China handled the initial outbreak of uh, COVID nineteen or coronavirus, as it was then. Uh, they 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 said we back an inquiry into what China has done to the rest of the world. The Chinese took exception to this, and they looked down the list and they said, "Okay, well let's let's pick barley and we'll whack seventy eighty percent on that one." So I, I think that was fairly simple. It was just tit for tat. They don't like. They don't like um, people criticising them. For example, one of the things from the latest pronouncement over the Hong Kong situation is that anyone that um, is disrespectful of the Chinese national anthem will be jailed. That's how protective they are over brand China. Well, again, don't, don't miss out on Taiwan because that mm. feud has been going for an awfully long time. And I can honestly remember, now this is my age showing as well, you know, when rockets were being fired across the Formosa Strait. 
Uh, that stopped, hasn't been seen for decades now, but you're still getting the verbal argument, and China has always maintained that Taiwan is part of China. And Taiwan has always had the backing of the United States, and there's now a story of the United States uh, uh, supplying uh, defense equipment, um, and, and that's, again, the the China-America spat. It, but everything is showing up basically as, as a result of the same uh, um, inward-looking, let me call it that, uh, theme that's playing out in the world today. Okay, so we've covered we've covered that. What I want to cover next, and just to wrap this up, Liston, is uh, the the cartoon that you sent out, and the fact that you think there is worse to come. Now, you're normally quite bullish, and uh, during the bull years, you were always bullish, and I would have bets with you, and I would lose every time because I would go short, and you would go long on our bet anyway, whatever the bet was, whatever asset class it was, whatever stake it was, and I still owe you six bottles of wine, by the way, for for the record. <laughs> so I'll send that as soon as the booze shops open in South Africa and when you get back to South Africa. But the point is, you are unusually, not pessimistic, but realistic about what might be coming. Explain the uh, cartoon again, if you would, and why you think that the worst is yet to come. Okay, well, the cartoon is by somebody who calls himself Hedgeye, but it is two bulls and the one says to the other one, the worst is behind us. And the other one says, yes, but it's catching up fast. Mm. And I think that is exactly the way I see things now. A lot of people think the worst is behind us, which is true if you are looking at the pandemic, the number of cases, the number of deaths, and epidemics have that uh, uh, attribution. They tend to spike, and after that, a lot of infecteds, meat infecteds, can't infect anymore. People have got antibodies already, and uh, in one way or the other, it has passed through uh, a, a, a population pretty well. And you can see that in a number of cases. It just took quite a long time, you know, to reach the peak and for the tail to, uh, uh, to wear off. But what nobody's ever seen before is that governments would just stop businesses operating. Well, they don't because, unfortunately, they have employees and they were not allowed to fire them. Or if they were fired, then the government would pay them. Now, who is this government that does this paying? These are not civil servants who are paid from taxes. What we're doing is we're borrowing money. Goodness knows who's lending it. But we're borrowing this money to pay people's salaries so that they can buy food to put on the table. Now, that is not going to land up buying a share in Wall Street. That has landed up buying vegetables and, and cooking them. The same applies to rent, but the same thing applying to, to companies. And if your revenue basically stops, and by the way, a lot of the reporting we're seeing, as I mentioned, doesn't cover this case of where the revenues stopped. These are patches earlier than that, and they were already quite bad. But be that all as it may, you need to pay your, the rent. Now, of course, you've got the situation in many places where people are saying, if I can't get customers because your mall is closed, um, I can't pay rent, so I'm not going to. Now, that hasn't reached the courts yet. And if you've signed a lease saying that you will pay, it didn't write there and said, as long as patrons are able to come to my store, it actually said, I will pay so much a month for these square meters of space. 
Nobody ever built in that there would be a situation where governments would actually intervene in free markets to the point that they have where businesses are going bust. You mentioned hospitality and tourism. There's a suggestion in New Zealand that we work a four-day week so that people can have a long weekend every weekend and therefore they will travel more and the poor hotels will get, will get guests. Isn't that a good idea? Hmm. Yeah. I, I think I'm in favour. <laughs> yeah, I, think so. I, I don't know about how many of our listeners are, but it sounds terrific. Mm. But, but the, the message I'm giving is that money has to come from somewhere to pay the rent that uh, the pe- for the people who were not getting salaries. So you actually have a drain on one section of society in favor of another. Now, that's been a governmental problem for as long as anybody can remember. But here we have a, 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 an almost authoritarian approach to it, saying we, as the government of the people, are going to make sure that everybody has food on the table. And what we are going to do is the following. But unfortunately, there are things called courts of law, and there are things called banks, and there are things called interest rates, and there are things called mortgages. I'm told that one in six home loans in America, one in six is in forbearance. Now, (laughs) I don't ever recall seeing that word in any textbook (laughs) on economics that I ever read. What does it mean? Forbearance. I understand the meaning of the word. I understand what it is now. But it basically is the government saying to the banks, don't put them in. There's too many of them. We couldn't cope. Mm-hmm. So please just, just forbear and, and, and take it on the chin. Now, that's the same set of banks that they were angry with because they lent too badly in, in the global financial crisis. So now suddenly uh, they've been told they had to hold huge amounts for risk. Now, the risk has arrived, they've plundered that, and still the people aren't paying. So now they say, well, be nice to them. Hmm. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure. I suppose, you know, listen, I I suppose given the fact that they were bailed out or lots of them were bailed out, then I I think that the government is probably saying, listen, we helped you before, now you help us and you help the the people of the United States of America because there's an election on November the 3rd and Mr. Trump says so, maybe. Yeah, sounds something like that, but uh, that's why I say the, 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 the absolute story is we are where we have never been before, yes. and I don't think it can end well. I just cannot imagine that all of a sudden everything will be okay. I hear, and this is again New Zealand, but you're seeing it in, the, in, in America, you're seeing it in, in, uh, in the UK, but here we had 1,200 staff members of Air New Zealand being laid off. Now, Air New Zealand is one of the top 10 companies in the New Zealand Stock Exchange Index. Um, I don't think its profits are going to look anything like they used to for a long time. If ever. Well, it got to me, Lindsay, when somebody showed a picture of a plane and they said this plane cost $400 million. You've got and to fill that. Flying. No, you've got to fill it every single day of the year, apart from you know, maintenance issues. Where it has to go in for a couple of weeks and get a bit of a spruce up. And on that on that note, listen, I was talking to a pre- previous commentator about the airline industry, which is which is fascinating. Emirates started flying yesterday. 
They've got 157 routes normally. They started flying to nine European cities. You have to get there four hours before. You have to get to a Dubai International Airport four hours before. You go through these this this whole rigmarole, this stringent series of tests and everything. You know, what's your temperature? Where you're going? Why you're going there? It's all that sort of thing. You've got to be wearing this. And so four hours to me is a little bit too much. I mean, if I have to go somewhere, I'll do it. But the point is that Dubai International Airport can cope with it because it's brand new. They've rebuilt it. And um, if you apply that to certain aging European or American airports, you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to do that. So you've got nine routes out of 157. It doesn't matter because Emirates is owned by the government and so is the airport. They can they can cope with it at the moment. But air travel is never going to be the same again. I'm not going to fly again this year. I'm certain of that. You might. I'm not going to. No, I think that, well, and that, that's the point I'm really making, is that there are an awful lot of folk who had businesses allied to airlines. Uh, I mean, I, again, I, I don't know how many airports you've been in, but I call them shopping malls with runway. Exactly. Because really, truly, you go into an airport, it is just wall-to-wall shops, and they're not selling anything. Of course they're not. Yeah, and and the other thing, Liston, is just one other side issue on this. Yeah, one one other side issue is that Air France, which was the champion of the Airbus A380, because obviously it's a French company and Airbus is a, a European company, so they had to support it. They bought a bucket load of these Airbus A380s, the double decker jumbo. They were getting rid of them in 2022 anyway because they weren't particularly successful and they burn up fuel. They've just said yesterday, no, they're scrapping them now. So a whole fleet of aircraft, which was the future of uh, the airline industry and travel, has now been not mothballed, but just terminated. And no one's going to buy them, so they've just got to sell them for scrap, I suppose. It's astonishing. Yeah. Now, again, that's why it was just a a number, and you know I'm a numbers person, but somebody said to me, do you realise that tourism, that's counting this hospitality, air travel, all of that, is today 10% of world GDP. Mm. Now, if 10% is moved to zero, how does the world only go down 4%? I think it has to go down more than that. I think you're and right. And okay, it's only for six months. And okay, well, it, it could be. And oh, well, you see. And there are just far too many oh, wells and, and assumptions built into that, uh, what I call risk-reward ratio, where I think, you know, the reward is not likely to be there and the, and, and the risk is, is definitely there. So that's the reason for my much more negative attitude than the one you're used to. Okay. Are you short of the market or would you – I can't say that because you'll never tell me. Would you recommend that somebody be cautious when it came to, for example – an investment in general equities, never mind the, the few high flyers, you know, the, the, uh, the, the FANG stocks, would you be cautious? Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, again, I go back to my uh, outlook for 2019. I was out by only three months. But I said, there's something out there that is going to hurt. And it could be just Donald Trump uh, fight with, the, with China. It could be this, it could be that. But already there's so much pricing for perfection that you are on the wrong side of a risk-reward bet. Mm. And I know in June last year when there was a a, a downturn, I took the positive line. 
largely on the basis that you, the momentum was in was still in their favour. But you may remember how difficult I found it to actually take that bet. Um, and I'm still saying, if you have a look now, you will find that the Standard & Poor's Index is about the same as it was then. So we are one year later and looking at a much more difficult year or two in front of us, and we're at the same level. Something is not right in that equation. You're quite right, Liston. Thank you very much for your time, your extended time. Uh, this evening, your time, because it's now coming up to uh, 10 o'clock. Uh, have a sip of whiskey or whatever you're doing. Uh, enjoy New Zealand. Enjoy your freedom. And we'll speak very soon. Liston Manges is an independent financial advisor and um, economist, I think I would call you as well, and can be contacted at Liston. Liston at liston.co.za any other um, any other contact details or is it just liston at liston.co.za is, is that enough okay listen enjoy new zealand we'll speak soon the views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of lindsay williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy position or opinion of any other agency organization employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.